You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill, Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak on a disappointing 2-in-1 edition after the Saints fall 18-17 in Green Bay. The team having a 17-0 lead going into the fourth quarter and then a bunch of doom and gloom follow that i'm sure we'll get into a bunch jeff how was the trip out to wisconsin at least i don't know what you're talking about that was a great trip nothing went wrong everything uh you know that, that was terrible anyway so yeah you know it's funny like the trip to wisconsin uh i was back by eight o'clock and i was like man i guess i could do a live chat um but then i was like no one needs that i emotionally it's not gonna help anybody Let's wait until tomorrow and uh, we're going to record something a little more established. I got a chance to go through some of the game. I haven't gone through all of the game. It's just this was, you know, I talked after week one about how much fun it was going through the film. Not the case this time. I can but, imagine. So we're going to we're going to go. This is going to be a similar episode, but I do want to do things a little differently because normally we would start with the stock up players. No. I'm not starting with the stock up players. We're going to start with the stock down players. And then I want to spend the second segment talking about Derek Carr's injury. We got a great interview on WWL this morning. Tommy Tucker did with Dr. David Elias. So I'm going to play you kind of a cut of that interview, give you some information on the injury Derek Carr is dealing with. And then we can kind of talk about what our expectations are for Jameis this week, whatever. We are going to do stock up in the final segment. It's going to be a shorter segment, (laughs) but there are that, you know, it's not, (laughs) <laughs> All bad, right? Like there were some positives to take away from this sure. game. When I say that on Twitter, people are like, how dare you? But, you know, they were up 17 in halftime. They were up 17, nothing in the fourth quarter. It wasn't 
all bad. Uh, so there are a few players that I want to highlight, and uh, we can kind of get into that. The season's not over. It's two and one, right? Like if you if if you talk to someone before the season and you said Alvin Kamara is out three games, what would you hope to see from a record perspective? Would you accept two and one? Of course you would. Obviously, you wouldn't want to bake in a quarterback injury. But that's why you kept Jameis around. Like in terms of backup quarterback play over the last few years, I think they're in probably the best situation they've been in other than maybe the year you had Teddy and he went 5-0. and Like this is why you have him here. So we're going to get into that. First things first, though, some levity. I told you I, that there was a really awkward story that when I was out in Green Bay and uh, – I'm just glad that this didn't up and end up on the broadcast. Heck, it might have. I didn't watch it, but Jimmy Graham's touchdown. So I'm standing in the back of the end zone. And so you, you know how this works. Like you have a mic pack and I have it on my belt. Like I have it on my side, on my belt, right? And the headphones are plugged into that. I'm there. I'm in the back of the end zone. In the replay of the Jimmy Graham touchdown, you can actually see my hand with the mic. Like you can see this mic flag. So you can tell I'm right there, but I'm just out of the frame, thankfully. And so what happened is, Jimmy scored, and so he comes through the back of the end zone. He's spiking it, and so I'm backpedaling to get out of the way because I don't want to get run over by the behemoths on the field. That would cause a scene. Anyway, but in Lambeau, it's an old stadium, so everything's old. They got bleachers. There's one tunnel in and out of the stadium, and the nets, the kicking nets, are just kind of sprawled over the ground. Like There's no place for them. Like Most stadiums will have kind of a receptacle or an area, so they're not just – all over the place with people tripping over them, not at Lambeau. So what happens is I, I'm backing up to get out of the way of the players because that's what you're supposed to do. And they start raising the kicking net. Well, the net goes in under my mic pack and gets caught on the mic pack. Whoa. I am stuck. They're pulling the net up. And I'm like, wait, I got to get this out. And like the guy's like, he's trying to help me. But it, basically, I'm caught in a fishing net. Like if you throw a net over somebody and they're like flailing to get out, that was cool. me, except it was the mic pack. And so I'm like, I can't lose the mic pack. If the mic pack goes up and falls and breaks, how am I supposed to do my job? So I end up like panicking and just yanking the mic pack and breaking the clip off, which also breaks my headphones. Oh. <laughs> like then the clip goes up and the guy's like, well, you can get it when it comes back down. I'm like, it's trash. What are you talking about? I don't need that. I can't fix that. And then so I'm just I thankfully I had another pair of headphones in my bag. So I was just I just went over to the bag, put the headphones in and kind of kept going as if nothing had ever happened. But like, I'm just glad that 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 didn't end up on the broadcast somehow, because, man, that was embarrassing. Let me tell you. <laughs> That sounds like something for sure. And yeah, I can imagine that panic because it's like, yeah, you, your equipment obviously is everything. Well, it's not even that. It was like in my head, I was like, I need to figure this out quickly because at a certain point, people are going to start asking, why is there a delay? Why haven't they kicked the extra point yet? And then they're going to be like, because that idiot's caught in the net. Oh, there's a broadcaster on the field who's packed right. well, up. Like, you saw that there was a point in the game where the, it got delayed like 10 minutes because the because the uh, spider cam, the, the you know, the the yeah, uh, right. It got, are you it sure got that stopped. wasn't you? Right. Well, it almost was. And then uh, I'm, like this is almost like a national broadcast. And they were like, hmm, we have a slight delay because this idiot is caught in the net. <laughs> oh, my God. I never even told Robert, our engineer. I've, I tried to tell him on the field, but it was so difficult. It was just so convoluted to explain that I was like, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> I'll explain this to you next week. When I hand you the mic pack and there's no clip on it anymore. <laughs> it uh, pieces. 
<laughs> anyway, so I hope, you know, just to, just to lighten the tension here before we get into the real bad stuff. <laughs> that no, was... You- uh, that was, you never warned me about that. <laughs> no way. Hey, uh, you've had a, a great and a, a heart pounding first uh, couple games uh, to start your sideline experience. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Anyway, it, like and I don't even think I, I don't think I was very good on the broadcast in general. And it was partly because I was so flustered <laughs> after that point. I thought you gave out tons of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I was telling you before, like my pregame kind of scene setter, I was like, kind of self-conscious about it because it, right. I decided yeah, yeah, yeah. to talk about special teams. And I was like, this is Blake Groupie's first game kicking outside. There's a little breeze coming in mm-hmm. end to end, you know, not just saying that this comes down to a kick. And then I was like, that's kind of lame. No one's listening to the broadcast being like, Oh yeah, let's go kicking game, baby. But then, <laughs> Hey, wouldn't, wouldn't you know it? <laughs> I think if there's no wind, he makes that kick, but all right, let's start with the three down here. Can you guess what my first down <laughs> is? The entire offensive line. You got it. Hey. I mean, geez. Like, we were talking about this before you came on. You said, oh, the offensive line is offensive. I think it's dangerous. Like, I think people are getting hurt because the offensive line isn't good enough. And I was saying, like, you know, Jameis is out there. And this has nothing to do with Jameis. I think you there's a point where you have to consider starting Taysom Hill for no reason in terms of the quality of play. I'm worried about Jameis. Like I, I, at least I know Taysom can move around and protect himself, and he's a sturdy guy. He's used to taking hits. Like we saw Taysom Jameis get teed off on in a couple of games last year, season over, right? Like we like Atlanta, he hurts his back uh, against the Bucks, his foot, and then all of a sudden he is hobbled, and you can't do it. And I mean. I just, it's got to get better. Um, it's its atrocious. And you're talking about a sack per quarter. That's unheard of. Even from bad offensive line groups, let alone a group that has four first-round draft picks on it. That's the real and disturbing it, part, obviously, when you see, you see the amount of draft capita they've put into that, and it, it doesn't seem to be panning out. And even a guy yeah. like Ryan Ramchek not even having a good day. No, and I mean, part of this is scheme. Right. Like, like we're going to, we can talk about the play calling a little bit. I, you know, personally, I think people are focused on the wrong things. They're talking about why didn't you throw late in the game? I actually think that was the right call and we can go into that a little bit. But, you know, there was points in that game where I was just like, what are you doing? Like first and 14, they're, they're, they're max protecting and running a shot play and a play action. Well, that's not going to work guys. Like they don't, they're not respecting the run game and you end up with, Landon Young isolated on Rashawn Gary, who already has two sacks. Landon Young is the jumbo tight end. And so like, they just like, you need to slide protection. You need to do something. You need to move the launch point, get Jameis out of there or work the quick game. So you can at least get this drive started that drive. You're at second and 22. The drive's effectively over. Um, and so those types of calls were more problematic to me, but I mean, <sighs> James Hurst was already struggling, and this is the when this ha- when this happened. I immediately was like, "This is going to go badly." Caesar Ruiz comes out with a concussion, and Anders Peak comes in, and now I have no idea why they have not been cross training Anders Pete at right guard. Right? What? Why not? Why have you not been doing that? But Anders Peak comes in at left guard, and that means that James Hurst, who has exclusively played on the left side in camp and talked to us about how 
switching from tackle to guard is a heck of a lot easier than switching across the line to the opposite side. Like he openly was like, that's something that I struggle with. That's something that a lot of linemen will struggle with. So why wasn't Andres Pete when he was not starting cross training so that if he came in, he could be the right guard and you only had one guy playing out of position instead of a backup and another guy playing out of position. And you put Hurst over there on that right side. It was only a matter of time. I questioned Doug Marone. I questioned Pete Carmichael. I questioned the scheme. It's not working. And, you know, I think well, I'm not going to play a lot of audio in this from the players and the, and the, and the coaches because, you know, it's all fucking, I'm sorry. it's all, I'll, I'll cut well, that can, out. We can curse it's, on the podcast. Yeah, we can, but yeah, it's a bad habit to get into. It's, <laughs> it's only a matter of time before I'm dropping one on the, on the game <laughs> broadcast. And I think Dennis Allen, like if you read between the lines here, like this is for, for DA in a post game, this type of comment is not made lightly. And so, so here, here it is. Yeah, I think, I think it needs to be better. Um, and, you know, for whatever reason, we got to figure that out. Um, you know, particularly, you know, early in the game. Um, you know, so I think that's something that we've got to we've got to improve and 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 we've got to get better at. We knew that this was a, a team that could rush the passer. Put your finger on like maybe riotism starting. Ah, well, look, I, there's a couple of them where we just got beat early. You know, um, and so um, we'll have to keep looking at what are we doing technique wise. What are we teaching? You know, are we teaching the right the right things? Um, and uh, but certainly that's that's an area that we've got to. You know, we've got to get better at that because it's not been good enough. You don't get a ton out of DA in these postgame press conferences. But, I mean, to me, that's shots fired across your offensive line coach's bow there. Like, sure, what are, are we, we teaching? Yeah, like, like there's something's not clicking here, right? And now our quarterback is out with an injury for no other reason than he's been getting laid out. And you can say, sure, he needs to protect himself better, fine, but, like, I mean, we're talking immediate pressure and he's got to hang in there because he's trying to get this offense moving and he's just getting laid out. And like when I went through the film from week two, I was amazed how many times he got hit. I didn't even realize it. Like he got hit after throwing the ball and he had to hang in there and just take a huge hit. And like sometimes you're like, wow, why did he miss this? Why didn't he get the ball where it was supposed to go? Because he's having to throw it early. He's having to get the ball out because if he doesn't, he is, it's a huge sack. And like that is happening so much. And, you know, I, I don't know how you fix it. I don't know how you go about doing that. Hopefully, you know, you're getting Alvin Kamara back and hopefully that makes teams respect the run game a little bit more. And you know, you're going to get some easier matchups. I don't know if that's this week, right? The Bucks have a good, have a good front too. And a lot of teams have good fronts. You can't just say, well, okay, every time we play a good defensive line, we're going to get teed off on at the quarterback position. You know, we can talk about play calling all we want. We can talk about Pete Carmichael. We can talk about offensive production. There's no right play call when you are in a jumbo package with six offensive linemen and you get beat by a four-man rush clean. No chance for the quarterback. Can't uh, we just right play call for that. I, I thought this game was going to be a get-right game for the run game because we saw the Falcons, the Bears have success against this, this Packers defense, which we all... I think mock going into this game for having so many first rounders and, you know, underperforming so much, man. Oh man. They tore that saints O line apart. Yeah. Well, especially in the second half, like I, the people are saying the offense was terrible throughout the game. I mean, I think like there are points where the offensive line torpedoes the entire drive, but you know, they had a, they had a, a long drive for a touchdown, went to Jimmy Graham. He finally did something great, you know, not and, ornamental. And 
one of my honorable mentions because I said, hey, if you're going to be a red zone threat, we need you to be a red zone threat. And he came through in their, you know, they had two red zone opportunities. He came through in one of them. Fine. If you're a guy that's out there and you're catching touchdowns and for a team that struggles in the red zone, fine. I can, I understand it. Okay. Like, right. He earned himself a reprieve from me, but like, and then they had a long drive late in the half that got bogged down and they kicked a field goal. You know, there's only so many possessions. There's only so many drives. You can only have so many extended possessions and they scored on two of them. They, the special teams helped them out and they were up 17, nothing. And this is a team we have seen play better in the second half of games. Like, you know, week one, week two, the offense looked much more effective once they were able to kind of adjust and get through it. Well, you never really had that chance in this game. And so, like, I think that you, if, if Derek Carr stays in this game, you win it by three scores. And now you're just trying to figure out how you can win it without him uh, if he's out. And we're going to get more into that injury in the second segment. But I, get, I, I can't say strongly enough, like, something's got to give here. I don't know. If Caesar Reed is going to miss time, I don't know how you, what adjustments you make. Do you give Nick Saldaveri a chance? Do you put on Respeed back in the starting lineup and, and figure something else out on the opposite side? I don't know, but it, it's gotten to a point where this season could get like they got bailed out by this injury. But like, by the way, like, this could have been a lot worse um, with Derek Carr. And it's gotten to a point where and I know I'm bogarting this entire segment, but like the offensive line, not the play calling, <laughs> you know, not the talent. It's going to torpedo this season if they can't get it together. The, like you said, though, how, how is it going to get better with the O-line? There's nobody walking through the door. Uh, how much more coaching do these guys need after going through training camp? If you make a switch now at offensive line coach, what is that going to do for the you know the remainder of the season kind of thing? It's just an issue we knew, too, going into the year. I think a lot of people had as a concern with this offensive line. And sadly, you know, we're seeing now some of the – ramifications and and no way did I foresee them putting the quarterback in so much danger like you put it to it's like uh, it, it really is a danger zone out there for the QB right now I don't I can't imagine anyone feels really safe no like how many times can your quarterback get hit before something breaks right and he, you know he he I, you know when he went down I thought man broken collarbone season over right like that's what it looked like because he stayed down for a while yeah. And then, you know, and people made a big deal about going to a local hospital. I'm pretty sure it's just Lambo is old and they don't have x-rays because that's all you need for an AC sprain, which is what the injury is. All you need is an x-ray. I think I'm guessing they just don't have an x-ray on, on, on site. Definitely um, not for the not, visitors. I don't know. Exactly. At least not for the visiting team. And so that's that would be my guess is it's just like there's a local hospital and it's easier to do that. But yeah, I mean, they got bailed out. So we're going to have to see. But you know, you say no one's walking through the door. Maybe someone should be. There's guys on the free agent market that sh- that that can probably be out playing what's happening right now. And you know, the funny thing is, I'm not. You know, the tackles or whatever. You know, the interior line. Eric McCoy, right? This is a guy who is a stud center and has not played like it. Caesar Ruiz. You know, it, he's been hit or miss. Um, the injury obviously stinks. He's got the concussion. I don't know how long it's going to keep him out. He did not look pleased going back to the locker room. And James Hurst. I don't know. Uh, that because that's where like you can live with pressure on the edges like you can live with you know just riding a guy out wide and because it allows the quarterback to step up but what happens when there's nowhere to step up right then you get eaten alive what happens when there's a free rusher from the interior and you have to have your quarterback bail well Derek Carr is not Lamar Jackson he's not outrunning that guy you know and he's gonna try to hang in the pocket and make a throw and that's what that's what is get got him hurt um 
So yeah, anyway, this is my long two with talking about Ramcheck and like you said with McCoy too. Th- those are your two quote unquote studs at least for me on that O line, and they they just haven't looked like it. And, and to me, like I said, Ramcheck was a huge surprise this game. I haven't gone through film study or anything, but I there were just too many times during the game watching it where I was like, man, I couldn't believe I'm seeing him getting ab- you know abused by that Packers front. Everyone, everyone has you know blame like that's the thing like people want to put it all at Carmichael's feet people want to put it all at Marone's feet people want to put it all at Dennis Allen's feet everybody gets some of it like there's no one Trevor Penning's an easy one too they want to blame who they want to blame Trevor Penning too obviously obviously you know he's not dominating or anything but you know I think there are worse there there are bigger issues than him uh and you know you could say well part of the issue is they have to give him help which means that that help isn't always available for the strength of the rush and and that could be fair. Maybe that's part of the difficulties in scheming. But hopefully, you know, like Alvin Kamara is going to fix a lot of things, you know, in terms of, you know, what you haven't been able to do so far. But he's not and blocking. They, yeah, but I mean, it, there's uh, you need to, what they need to do is slow down the rush first off. And that's what they weren't able to do in this game. They re, they, they weren't really able to do it against the Panthers either. But they were able to hit big, and the Panthers' offense just didn't have anything. Jordan Love got the job done. I think the defense, uh, and we'll get into the well, – actually, let's go forward. So my second stock down, defensive line. You know, and, and I don't think they had a terrible game, but they did not affect it as much as you needed them to, particularly late in the game. And I think part of it is the defense was on the field the entire second half. Um, you know, like – you, you 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 expect them to hold up. You expect them to hold up. You expect them to hold up. At a certain point, that becomes a problem because of the way you play defense, right? Like you don't constantly rotate pass rushers. Cam Jordan's on the field basically the whole game. Carl Granderson's on the field basically the whole game. You get some Isaiah Foskey, some Tano Passino, but pretty much they're there. That, that's their job. And then on the outsides, like the Saints play a lot of man-to-man and what man-to-man requires is for these guys to chase down people all day long. And in most cases, people that are much faster than them. And so why does the defense wane late in games when you are on the field for too long? That's why. I mean, like you're asking Marshawn Lattimore to chase people around in man-to-man coverage all day. You're asking Isaac Adam to do that. You're asking Alante Taylor, a guy who had a great game to do that. And, you know, mistakes happen. And, so I'm not completely out on a defensive line, but I don't think they played Jordan Love very particularly well in the second half of this game. And that one run down the sideline where they just forgot to knock him out of bounds, part of that's because the NFL would, rules make it so if you hit him and he's going out of bounds, that's a 15-yard penalty. You got to get a hand on him and at least shove him. And I, you know, I think Carl Granderson got his contract. It was well-deserved, but this was not a banner day for the defensive line. The problem that to go in into it is like, man, you thought the D-line was going to eat with the offensive line issues that the Packers had. Bakhtiari and the other, what was it, the the, the guard uh, was out as well uh, for them. And so, yeah, I thought they were going to be able to take advantage, pressure, pressure love, even though everyone's talking about, oh, his big home opener in Lambeau. And I was like, sorry, they're, they're going to spoil that and completely rattle him. And that definitely was not the case. I mean, they did get pressure. They just didn't get home. No, right. Not like at all. They, they, he, like Jordan Love was running for his life a lot yeah. of that game. Escape, and, you know, good escapability. Uh, yeah, he's fast. You know, they they had a hard time hemming him in, and you know they did a much better job against Bryce Young. Um, he escaped, but when he escaped, it was up the middle. And uh, like Jordan Love is a guy who wants to 
still pass the ball when he gets outside of the pocket. And that's where the Saints struggled. Cam Jordan mentioned that they started, you know, doing a lot of dinking and dunking and then throwing up prayers. And sometimes those prayers get answered with those penalties. You know, that drive where they had back-to-back pass interference penalties, um, you know, there were, there were penalties. You know, the Alante Taylor, if you want to fault him for anything, he did not get his head around in a lot of balls. Um, right. He was in good position. And uh, he just, you know, and, and a lot of those instances, you probably could have thrown a flag because there was, there was contact, but he played, he played well. <sighs> yeah, and, and it's tough because the defense shut him out for, you know, what, you know, 52 minutes of that game. So how mad can you be about the defense? It, and, and it's like, well, what happened late in the game? Well, you know, how long can a defense shut out a team? All, if you one field goal in that second half, you win. One. And I'm sure that besides being physically drained, too, I mean, there's that emotional part of it, too, after losing your starting quarterback, obviously. And I'm not making excuses either, but I'm not down on the defense either. I think, like you said, they just unfortunately were on the field way too long. And, man, uh, things fell apart there late in the fourth quarter. And you, you still had a chance, but unfortunately, the you know, the field goal wasn't true. Yeah, and when when the uh, like the the moment I knew it's like okay, if the Saints do not score one more time in this game, they're going to lose it was the two-point conversion because that was demoralizing. Yeah. And it was like if the Packers get the ball back, they're scoring another touchdown. No question in my mind. And you know, uh, like the Deuce was talking about this on a broadcast, it is kind of a strange decision, but if you watch the NFL, that's happening a lot more often when teams are down 14, they will a lot of times Go for that initial two-point conversion because the math dictates that two-point conversion attempts are about a 50-50 scenario. You will convert about 50% of the time. And so, you know, I don't think that the math necessarily adds up the way people pretend it does. But the idea is, okay, you flip a coin twice, you're probably right. going to get heads one time. You're, you know, so, and you only have to get it once. So if you get it that first time, that's the ideal scenario. And you can win it the way the Packers did. The Giants tried it against the 49ers and they didn't get it, but that means you're down eight. And so you get another chance. And now if you lose a game that way because you don't get either, then it starts to, you start, people start to question it. But because of the odds, you feel like that is an advantage. And you saw like the pressure that put on the Saints when they converted that two point conversion and had to defend it after a long drive from a morale perspective. I feel like that was that that was what snapped it. And uh, you you could just tell, you know, one of the reasons I was okay with the Saints throwing it on that last drive is because the way the Packers played it, they let the clock run after first down. So if the Saints just ran it three times, they guaranteed that they had a timeout in their pocket and they would have had about a minute, even if Blake Griffey makes that. And so what throwing did was mean they had two instead of one. But I think the way the Packers played that the last eight minutes of that from a coaching perspective, it ran circles around the Saints' decision-making and how they tried to close out that game. And that kind of leads me into my next thing. And uh, I feel bad about it, but last stock down player, Mr. Groupie, Blake. It's not really fair. He was put in a really tough position. But this was what I said. Well, like all offseason, I was like, you know, I get it. These guys are really close. Blake Groupie might be slightly more consistent. But what happens when you get into a situation where you need that kick to win a game? And I know Will Lutz is nails in that scenario. Like he might miss a few kicks, right? But when when you need him in that big moment from 60, I have faith. And when you need it from 61, I still have faith, even though, you know, you the, the Lord said no. 
And that's what you saw. I mean, like, I think Blake Griffin's going to be an excellent kicker, but you got to live with the, the, the growth right now. And I think you just saw the pressure get to him a little bit there. I really do. And, you know, it costs you a game. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying a, a 46 yards is a chip shot, but you, you got to make those. In today's NFL, it's a chip shot. In today's NFL, like what would have been a 45-yard or 10 years ago was a 55-yarder now. You should never turn down a 55-yard field goal attempt if you trust your kicker, particularly if you have the wind at your back, which is what the Saints did. with the chip, a you know, They were at the 37-yard line, and they decided to punt. Right. And, it, and what bothers me the most about it is it's almost the exact same decision you made in week, week 13 of last season when you had like fourth and one at the 44 or something like that, and you decided to punt. In that game, you were up 16-3, to three, and you lost 17-16. In this game, you were up 17 nothing and lost 18-17. to 17. I need this team. If you're going to be aggressive play calling, if you're going to be aggressive and throw it, on second down, trying to ice a game, if you're going to be aggressive and throw it on third and six, trying to ice a game, right? Then I need you to maintain that throughout the game. Like there's this weird disconnect between the play calling, which is hyper aggressive, and the in-game decision making, which is hyper conservative. And it does not marry together. Either you're going for it or you're not. And in this case, it's like, show some confidence in your goddamn kicker, right? Like, what is he? How does he feel? Like what when he has to go up there and make that kick to go win a game after no, like you didn't give him give him a chance earlier in the game? I don't know. I do not like how they went about that. It felt like they were clinging on for dear life, trying not to lose. And I agree with that statement for sure. And that's how you lose games. And so, like, yeah. I'm da- I'm not down on Blake Groupie, but. You know, there was this idea that he couldn't miss. Like, you kind of felt like it was like, okay, man, this kid is nails. This kid is clutch. And I think he will be. But, you know, that was it. That was a letdown for sure. Like you mentioned, it, it was definitely that scenario we were all waiting for, you know, game on the line outside the wind gusting, I guess, enough, right? To be an issue. It was going end to end, right? So it was, it, you know, I think he blocked it a little bit and it, it just like the wind coming at it was enough to just kind of hold it out to the right. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's all it takes. Um, and he's, again, like we talked about this before he came on. I don't know if he's ever had to kick in the wind, at least not the, at the pro level. Like you were out there for training camp. There was not a single storm. We did not have like a single thunderstorm where you that's had a windy day. You know, he was, he was kicking outside, but it was basically perfect conditions to kick. And then, okay, he's kicking inside, right? Like, I don't know how much he's actually had to work with wind and um, he was kicking on grass. I don't think that was, that was an issue, but you know, it's, it's something that you got to get used to. And unfortunately for the saints, that learning experience cost them a game. Um, and so, you know, uh, got to keep going, but, and I think the way he handled it afterward, he talked to the media, he was great. Um, I really like Blake, just disappointing. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the whole game, obviously a huge disappointment when you're leading going into the fourth quarter on the road and then, I don't know everything. It's in one of the none of those games that you go away from going. How how did they lose this? Really? Well, I mean, I know I know how they lost it. <laughs> you know, when you lose your quarterback, things break. And in this, uh, in a game where you have a, a special teams touchdown and no turnover, they didn't turn the ball over, but you still found a way. That that's not impressive, but you know what I mean. Yeah, trust me. Uh, <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for the the week thirteen loss last year, it would have been like, man, this is the worst loss I can remember in quite some time. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, uh, we know how this feels, and uh, you know I, that that's why the that's why the decision to punt bothers me so much. Just because, like, I'd like to think you learn from your mistakes, but it was the exact same type of decision, 
And, you know, I've talked before, I would love to see this team be more analytically inclined because I'm pretty sure the analytics say go there. You know what team I can guarantee you will never be going for two when they score that touchdown down 14? The Saints. Because it's just not how they operate. They don't work that way. And it, and it's like, if you're going to be aggressive, be aggressive, go for it. But it only seems to be the play calling that's aggressive, not the decision making. When you do the, the the down, three up, three down, do you ever, does it include coaches or no? I tend not to because I kind of work that in. I kind of use the proxy. Like offensive line, That's that includes Doug Marone. I was going to say, I'm throwing in Pete to this game, Carmichael. Yeah, we can we can go through it. Um, I, yeah, I don't think he had a particularly good second half. But again, you know, it's like when whatever plans they had, yeah. they went out the window when Derek Carr went down, and uh, you know they clearly they didn't adjust well. And so yeah, that's on him. Um, but I, I'm flabbergasted too when you look at the the stats and you see zero catches next to Rashid Shahid's name. Yeah, he was targeted twice. Um, Carr missed him downfield. He was open. And he got got it to him late. Yeah. You know, so before we end the segment, so one thing, just to, just to mention, like one of the things that annoys me, it's like, okay, you can criticize the play calling, but I feel like people go for the low hanging fruit and they don't always get it. So throwing on second down, right? To me, the decision changed when the Packers decided to let that clock run. They ran Taysom Hill. He got about a yard. He basically got stuffed. He had to fight for a yard. And the clock went from 140 to one minute. From there, it's, it changes your equation, right? Because now if you run twice... All that does is mean they use two timeouts, but they still have one. And you're kicking it with about a minute left, meaning they will have a minute to come back and not being able to use all three of those timeouts. Like I would, if they could have burned all three of their timeouts and give it back with 140, that's what I think you do. But because you know they're getting a timeout back either way, I think being aggressive is the right call because they gave you that 40 seconds, which means if you go for it and get a first down, you're not going to be able to kick with about 20 seconds left, right? And the downside is you go for it and, you, and you, you're incomplete, which is what happened. Then they have two timeouts instead of one. Really, you're in the same boat. People are like, well, why didn't you just run it and get a couple more yards? Well, I mean, they're going to stack the box. You don't have Derrick Henry. You have Tony Jones. Like You have just as much likelihood of losing yardage and making that a longer kick as you do gaining any real yardage. Like You're settling for kicking from where you are if you run the ball two more times. Like You saw that offensive line out there. They can't pass protect, but... They weren't that much better in run blocking either. Like the idea that they're going to fire off the ball and when the team is loading up the box, be able to generate push. No. So like, I think, you know, there's a lot of stuff to criticize. Like we talked about the protection and the, the play action, the long developing play on first down when you just want to get a drive starter, you know, like that's, that's all fair game, I think. And you can just quibble with the play call maybe. Um, but I think the decision to throw on second down was the right one. And you completed third down, like you completed the third down pass. So you did make them burn one time out. But I, I think that, you know, it's the same type of decision you made in week one when you had third and six and you decided not to run it and you went deep to Rashid. And that's how you won that game. If, if that is completed and you get a first down and suddenly that's a 35 yard kick and you're kicking it with 20 seconds left, then everyone's like, wow, what a great call. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. But I like, no, I, I think you're right. I don't think Pete had a very good game. I just think that's not like that's that's where everyone's eyes are drawn because it was the penultimate kind of play. Right. And right. Then that's like where your focus is. But that that's not an example of bad play calling, in my opinion. No, I, I hear you on that. There's just a, a lot of I, I guess some of the issues too have to be what he's trying to work around with this offensive line, too. I, I don't know, but it still doesn't 
it still feels like the offense is stuck in the mud from a year ago, and I, and I didn't expect that. The Saints defense has held 11 straight opponents to 20 points or less. Saints yeah. are 6-5 and five in those games. Unacceptable, right? Yeah. But all right, this has been a long segment, so let's wrap it up. We're going to come back. We're going to dive into Derek Carr's injury. We're going to hear from Dr. David Elias, who's an orthopedic surgeon with Ortho LA. Talked to Tommy Tucker this morning on WWL. He's going to get us some insight into the Derek Carr injury. So keep it locked on Inside Black and Gold.